Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 6, around verse 9, or your Android or iPhone or tablets or computer, whatever you have that the Word of God is there. It's good to follow along. It's good to see it. It's great to take notes, make notes. I'll tell you this again and again. If it's worth listening to, it's worth writing something down. I cannot recall. I don't know. I just can't recall ever the last time I've listened to the Word of God being taught and there wasn't something worth writing down or taking away. And so we pray in that action that it's an invitation for God not to just allow you to write it on paper or write it on an electronic device, but that he would write it on our hearts. Say amen right there. I want to wrap up something sort of, I think, that I wanted to do two weeks ago and then a week ago, and just different things seem to interrupt that. But uh, we're going to take a look at what is the most prayed prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. I've always felt it probably should have been titled the Disciples' Prayer, because it, it was the prayer that the, the disciples, that the Lord gave to the disciples to pray. Furthermore, I don't know that it was so much about praying this prayer and these words as it is a guide for prayer. I think praying them as they guide us through the path of prayer. And, and I want to take us there, and I'm, and I'm going to give you another suspicion that I have. And this opens up a real can of worms that I won't have time to go into. But there are six stanzas to the Lord's Prayer. By the way, the last one, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In many of your Bibles, you'll see little brackets and then little interlinear notes saying that this doesn't appear in earlier manuscripts. Uh, I rarely ask you just to take my word for something without supplying the, the facts or background. But I, at this point, I, I think there's a greater number of theologians that would agree that there is as much or more right to include that in the text. And that gets into things like textual criticism and blah, 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 blah. But I, I want to give us an encouragement that that's still worth praying and it's, it deserves very much to be there. And that would be the sixth part of the Lord's Prayer. I've often found it interesting for a couple of decades that there are also six elements to the armor. Pastor Matt mentioned them and mentioned the chapter, Ephesians chapter 6. He says, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, helm of salvation, uh, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. Six of them. So the sixth one is an offensive piece of weaponry. But I've often thought that this prayer in its six portions are sort of the way, if you will, and maybe somewhere in the future I'll talk about it, so that, that you put on the armor. In other words, our Father who art in heaven, holy, that's what the word means. Holy is your name. We declare the wholeness of God, okay? And in that moment, and, I, and I'm just going to stop right here with the association. In that moment, we put on the belt of unhiddenness and truth because we're declaring our source of wholeness. And I just think it's a powerful study to where if, if my little hypothesis about this is correct, that means by the time you get to the end of the Lord's Prayer, you're not finished praying. You just got equipped to start. Anybody hear what I'm saying? I believe this is the prayer, and it's going to sound funny, that gets us ready to pray. 
This is, we're not done when we get to the end of that. Now we're equipped. Now we got armor on. Someday I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to have full armor that I get to put on. That'll be fun. I'll probably fall down the steps or something, but, you know, a sword. And say, you know, put on the pieces, and now I'm ready to step up and to execute the will of the kingdom in that closing line. But I don't have time to do that today. What I do have time to do is take us to the Lord's Prayer, and I want to show us why it is so important. That So here it is. Pray then in this way. Jesus speaks. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. We'll go all the way through it. Hannah, you can leave that off for a second. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Everybody say it with me. Most everybody knows it. On earth as it is in heaven. And daily bread. And give us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. We talked about this verse just a couple weeks ago. For thine is the kingdom. By the way, there's an alternate translation that's equally worthy. Deliver us from the evil one. How many know you don't ever deal without, with evil without dealing with the source of that evil, the evil one? Okay. And uh, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. Here we go. The power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay. I want to move through these pretty quickly because I think it's going to help us today. Now, I believe this is a prayer that specifically invites every aspect of God's wholeness into my life. As I come before him, here's how it starts off. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You can go ahead and stick this one up there, Hannah. Thy, uh, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed is holy. Everybody say holy. Around here for years and years, we've studied holy. We keep studying holy. Because it is my prayer, Father, we need holy to happen in our life. Only holy transforms. We've studied this and in the face of a culture. Watch this, that right now, more than ever, more than any time, certainly in Western culture, I believe culture is pressing in on the church to inform us of what our gospel message will be. And I talked about this a lot in the last six months, you know, uh, especially listening and reading the language of the Equality Act last year and certain things coming forward, that we are being taught to say this, well, all you need is love. You only need love. Just love. Just love them. Just love them. Beloved, Please hear me at risk of you thinking this is heretical because we hear these little mantra statements so often. Love alone doesn't get the job done. And you say, well, well, that just absolutely dashes all of my philosophy. Only if it's been shaped by Hollywood. Only if it's been shaped by a humanistic notion of what love is all, all about, okay? The gospel... It is an extension, it, the gospel, which is the message of God, is an extension of the nature of God. Please look at me. There's nothing that God does that is not a reflection of what God and who God is. The Bible said God is holy. He says, I, that is my name, holy, and I am love. God is those two things. The gospel is an extension of a message of love and holy. Love meets me where I am. Holy takes me where I need to go. Love redeems me. Holy transforms me. I won't leave holy off. I won't tell any person that may have embraced an identity of themselves 
that is incongruent with the creator's intentions. I can't tell them that there's no way for that personal internalized conviction to be transformed into God. Anybody, anybody hear what I'm saying? I can't surrender that. And you say, well, you're, you're, just flying in the face of everything. I get that. I just can't surrender that message. I can't surrender the message that the God who loves us can transform us. Do you realize that every act of sin throughout Scripture, theologically, is to give us an identity other than the one that God would have for us? Whatever that may mean. He wants to put a new identity in our marriages that's corrupt. In our homes, our lives, our jobs, our stuff, our orientation towards wealth and materialism or whatever, it is a corruption of that. It's sin. Sin is finding, is accepting any other opinion about me than God's. That's sin. Confession is the moment I accept his opinion of me above mine or any other's. Judgment, these are from the words, the words, what they mean. Judgment then is God saying, I'll let you walk in your opinion of you above my opinion of you. See, we think judgment is what God does to us. Judgment is what we do to ourselves. It's the result of sin. God says, if you're bound and determined to walk there, then I'll walk. My mercy's going to follow you. I'll be right here watching for when you're done taking this path. Talk about that a lot around here, but it's, it's crucial every week, okay? So as we come to the Lord, holy is your onomat, the name, the span of control or influence. So here's what this is saying. Our Father, and what's the implication? How many know if I'm saying he's my father, then what am I? Insert it in there. This is your son, Tom. Our Father. He didn't say come great judge, great almighty God. Our Father who art in heaven, who is holy, hallowed, holy is your span of control or influence. What does that mean? That ultimate wholeness flows from God and ultimate wholeness will be realized at the end of the age. It's not a promise in this life, but it's coming. But we can invite the encroaching reality of that kingdom. Okay, so the first line of this is, uh, um, I expose myself to the wholeness of God. Lord, I declare that you're the source of wholeness. How many know the next common sense thing to do if you just stepped up to the source of everything that knows everything, has everything, about everything, knows everything about you, made you, wired you, knew you when you were in your mother's womb, spoke concerning you before the foundation of the world. By the way, I'm rattling off scripture references right now. How many know it's an absolute absolute common sense to say you knew me made me wired me oriented me so you're the source of all that is so I'm coming to get your opinion watch the next line not only do we declare holy is there but the next one is this thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth or right here everybody do this thy kingdom come thy will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. So when we expose ourselves to the wholeness of God, the next thing that's common sense in prayer, I want to experience it. I don't want to just see it. I want to experience. And that's where, praise God, holy turns into worthy. Holy is an observation. Worthy is a testimony. I have been made worthy because you are holy. 
because of the holy blood of Jesus Christ. So watch what the Lord's prayer does. It says, I'm not only an observer, but Lord, I want your kingdom, your rule, the rule of the king to come in my life. By the way, each of these six things are one separate teaching. And this this whole series is probably about 10 weeks long, but each of these, okay? But I'm giving you an overview of why the Lord's prayer serves as a guide. By the way, starting this Wednesday on Wednesday night at seven for one hour, We'll be having prayer here. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to gather together right at 7 o'clock. We're going to sing to get what? 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock on Wednesday? I knew that. I was just testing you. You get to remain the executive pastor another week. (laughs) They did good. 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock on Wednesday. We're going to gather together right at 6 o'clock. We're going to sing a worship song. And that is to do what a worship, not a token thing, but to sweep away the clutter and get us in one place and one mind and one accord. We're going to sing one worship song. Then there's going to be a 15-minute teaching or devotion. Hannah, did I send you that graphic, Prayers Invading the Impossible? We're going to go through this little book. This book is now 45 years old, and I guess we don't have that. Anyhow, it's called Prayer is Invading the Impossible. Prayer is invading the impossible. Again, there it is. It's by a mentor of mine. And that's, I think, what the cover looks like, Jack Hayford. And um, I think I first got this book, well, about 10 years after it was was published. But this book on prayer absolutely changed my life and still does 30 years later. So we're just going to have a 15-minute sort of teaching from that. Buy the book or not. Just come. The teaching will stand on its own. And I wish I had a picture of this to show you. Um, then we're going to pray every week. We're going to pray over the needs that come in on Sunday. We'll have them here on cards or digital conversion. We're going to pray over the needs of every that's been declared or requested every Sunday or up until that Wednesday. We're going to pray for every seat in this house. I used to do that for years, every Saturday night. By the way, we, we used to do this on Monday night, but we came to COVID and it stopped. And now we're going to, I think Wednesday's going to work better. And then I want people to pray over every portal of this door. Every week we're going to do this. Someone will. He's going to walk around and pray over every doorway and say, Father, as they enter the house of the Lord, may there be a sense of your presence, purpose, peace, grace, whatever they need come upon them when they walk through the doors. On the hallway back here in the hallway in the office area backstage, I don't know, there's probably 200 photos of families We're going to have little red pins stuck on the wall with Velcro, and some of you are going to walk down there. You may not pray for every one of them, but if you walk down and you see the face and name, you're going to put your initials real small and a date. And six months from now, I want to be able to take that down, scan it, and send it to the people as there's about 100 initials on that, and they know they've been prayed for 100 times again and by their faith family. So that's what's going on on Wednesday night. It'll be one hour. Fit it in your schedule. Um, One hour, six to seven, we're going to come together, a worship song. You're going to hear a devotional teaching from prayer invading the impossible. And then the last 40 minutes or so, we're going to pray. We're going to pray over these seats, the doorways. We're going to walk around the parking lot and say, Father, the ground is not intrinsically holy, but we declare it to be so for your purposes. May there not be a car that drives on it where they don't have a sense that they've just driven into the boundaries of the blessed. By the way, listen to me. I know I'm all over the place this morning, but man, I'm irritated with the devil today. Really. I'm just 
It's one of those days. Just exceptionally irritated with the devil. The way that he tries to crush faith in the heart of people. And he does it because we're a force in this world. As a matter of fact, we're getting ready to see it right now. And um, I'm telling you, beloved, um, it, 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 prayer changes things. It moves the hands of God, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. All right, back to our study. Be there. Lord's Prayer, we're going through it. All right, thank you, Hannah. You can take that down. The third one, watch this. Give us this day our daily bread. We embrace the wholeness of God. In other words, do <clears throat> you remember when Jesus would say, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, and they say, oh, that's really gross. And of course, coming to the table of the Lord is one of those worship expressions of our intentionality. Watch this. You see, because it's certainly as you ingest any type of food, it's assimilated biologically into your system. Whatever nutrients may or may not be there, and for what it's worth, I'm convinced the little cracker on the top of the little automatic things there's zero nutritional value. I'm convinced they're an oil-based product. They're neoprene. Some of you are looking at me. Because I've eaten once too many times through the years and then tried to sing. You know what I mean, Chip? And there's something in you. You know. So uh, anyhow, that was just free ADHD commentary. Um, Give us this day our daily bread is a declaration. Father, I don't desire, watch how the prayer goes. I don't desire to just observe that you're holy. I don't desire just to say, I invite you to have the experience. But Father, I want to consume all of that to the center that of who I am. Watch, watch the poetry. What does food do? It is converted to biological and anatomical energy, sustenance. So what do we say? Father, I not only observe holy, I not only want to experience holy, I want to ingest holy. I want to consume it. I want to absorb it. I want you to be the source of all that I am, the nutrition of my very soul that sustains me through tomorrow. That what sustains me is not anything around me, but what is absolutely the sustenance of the soul, watch this, satisfying appetite and hunger. Did you know the word for appetite is koliat means hollow place? So this is saying, Father, there's only one thing that has the capacity to fill the hollowness of my soul. See, I'm going to get into preaching all six of these messages if I'm not careful. But you get where we're going here? Uh, Hannah, let's do a quick rewind on that. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father, I've come today to expose myself to the irrefutable wholeness of God, that the span and dimension of your control, your name is without limit. It is entirely whole. There's nothing beyond your scope. There's nothing beyond capacity. We live in this age, but there is coming a day. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth right here as it is in heaven. I want to declare before heaven and hell, Father, that it's my desire to experience wholeness right here, right now in this world. And to that extent, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Every day, Lord, I want to consume your word. I want to ingest the holy of God. Holy Spirit, live in me. Abide. Speak through me in the name of the living God. Empower me. I embrace that. I ingest that. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We studied these lines, just two lines, just two weeks ago or three. That's expressed the wholeness of God. Everyone look at me real quickly. Let me tell you this, why it works. Remember the little thing I did a few weeks ago? I'm about to make a statement that you need to write down, and some of you are going to wonder and say, uh, man, I'm not quite sure about that. Um, but I, there's no, watch this, there's no greater expression 
of the wholeness of God than forgiveness. There's no greater expression of the wholeness, holiness of God at work in you than forgiveness. And for those of you that weren't here, I'm about to remind you and do a really poor job of first grade. That's going to be a blob, not a heart. I already got a bad feeling about this. Arts and crafts. Okay. Let's see. That gonna, we'll just pretend it's a heart. Okay. I told you a couple of weeks ago. There we go. It looks more like a bat or something, but or Mickey Mouse. <clears throat> Lord, here's Mickey Mouse inside me. No. Um, somebody hurts us, does us wrong. They take away a piece of my heart and they run away with it. Somebody else does me wrong. They divorce me. They cheat me. They rob me of my business and partner with it. Maybe they take away. We're left with this. And we keep looking to those individuals. That's what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness insists that that person has the capacity to make my heart whole. The problem with this prayer from the inception is we're declaring the source of wholeness. Lord, I want to be exposed to it. I want to experience it. I want to ingest it. Well, then what is the next thing? There is no greater expression of abiding wholeness than forgiveness. Why? Because it's the moment and say, that fool can't make me whole again. Neither can that one. Lord, I'm going to quit looking to them. Because, watch this. Did you know the consummate description Jesus gives of violation? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Here's the way that plays out. If that is true, and he says it from the cross, and it is, forgive me for saying it this way, if their little ears here fix it, why the heck would you go to a person who clearly was so stinking clueless? Are you aware that there is no transgression or violation? I'll use my own example. There's no way that Cub Scout leader would have molested me for a year on multiple occasions, told me not to tell anybody or your parents will put you in a mental institution. There's no way that man would have done that if he would have been exposed to and known the heart of God and had a view towards children the way that God views children. But he was broken, damaged in his own sin and that broken person molested lots of little boys. But the reality is, Father... He doesn't know the knower. You see, anytime knowing comes up, Father, Jesus said it. They don't know. So here's the deal. If that person didn't know what they did, do you think they're going to know how to fix you? Let, could you just let that sink in for a minute? Lord, they don't know what they did, but I bet they can fix this thing. How, how dumb is that? Oh, I'm sorry. I should have said it in nicer ways, I'm sure. Father, I forgive them. Because if they would have had a knowledge of wholeness that they don't have, they may not still have, that they never had, and as a result of that, they were trapped with a self-consuming parasite of sin. Because they, weren't, they never experienced your wholeness. They never embraced your wholeness. It never flowed through them, and they could do nothing but damage. So, Father, I forgive them because there's no way they can... Everybody get this? There's no way that they can be the source of my wholeness. So my point is this. There is no greater expression of holiness than when I forgive. Mm -mm. Okay, just let that sink in. Let's keep going. We'll finish this. 
Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, the, bit, the larger extended teaching on this from three weeks ago, you can find it. The word to deliver means to drag across the ground. And I told you this is a unique Greek term. See, the, the, the regular words, if you will, for deliverance is to draw me away from. They're delivering me away from that place of captivity. But this word means to draw to oneself. So God said, I'm trying to draw you to me. I will draw you to me, and the effect is you will be drawn away from that. But my focus is not that. My focus, God is saying, is me. God says, my interest is not getting you far from that. It's getting you near to me. The word also means to drag across the ground. I love that one. And you remember the door we slammed here? Right? Um, Amanda broke it. She was determined. Because that said, lead us not into temptation. The colloquial adaptation is, Lord, close the door on the room. How many know we love to visit the room where the transgression happened? Oh, and here it happened, and there it happened. Let me tell you the story. And we keep rehearsing it over and over and empowering that thing. Be done with it. See, when people say, oh, you don't want to talk about that anymore, there's the only reason that I talk about what, what I walk through again and again and again is because of the power of testimony, not to rehearse it as a point of worth to my soul. Not at all. Not at all. That was a broken, damaged man caught in the grip and grasp of sin that hurt myself and lots of other little boys. But he can't. Everybody get that? Okay, Father, I forgive them. Close the door on it. And by the way, if I reach for the doorknob, drag me across the ground, kicking and screaming. You scared to pray that prayer? I dare you to pray that prayer. Father, the next time I reach for the doorknob, grab me, drag me kicking and screaming away from that room. How many know it's so tasty to get to visit there and to talk about that? Well, save it for a country song, but leave it behind for worship. I don't have any idea where that came from. All right. Baby, that was anointed right there, wasn't it? Come on. Mm-mm. Do not lead us into temptation. At that moment, we are empowered by the wholeness of God. The power for my life is not behind that door in that room or the memories. Lord, you alone are the source of that. And for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I love this. Do you know in Matthew 16, uh, just 10 chapters later, he picks up on this same notion. And in Matthew 16, starting at verse 15, Jesus is saying to the disciples, they're gathered together, and he says, who do, who, do you said to, who do you say that I am? Peter jumps out and answers. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is what? In heaven. Okay, here we go. Heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, okay, you got that? For thine is the kingdom. Let's go back to Matthew 16 and finish that, please. Amanda, I think, goes on through verse 19. Uh, and I say to you, back up, I say to you that you are Peter, upon this church, rock I will watch, I will build my church. Everybody say, it's his church. Okay? And the gates of hell will not overpower it. Here it goes. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Here's where pray. Our Father, leave that right there, Amanda. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I've come to declare today to declare, by the way, I've always wanted to do about a 60-minute thing that, 
that, um, that would have, and, and I think I will, one day we will, one way or the other, where you stop and say, oh, here, this will work. Father, my Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy. And then you just stop for a minute and have the audacity to sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, that you would have the audacity to speak, declare, and sing of the wholeness of God in the face of every other thing that's trying to convince you that your wholeness lies elsewhere. But he says, whatever you make binding on earth, I love this, whatever you shall bind on earth, look at this language, watch, watch, don't read past this, shall have been bound in heaven. I've taught on this in 18 years here a hundred times. There may be no single passage of scripture for me that is more exhilarating because in Ephesians chapter one, Paul starts off with blessed be the Lord God and father of our savior, Jesus Christ, who has blessed that words mean spoken well concerning to us in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. We have been blessed. The spirit keeps speaking well and blessing who did what, when did this happen? He said before the foundation of the world, he spoke. Do you get somebody hear me? Come on. The word of God's already been spoken concerning you, James. He said everything he needs to say. You're not waiting to say, God, when are you going to speak concerning me? He said, I already did it. Watch that. He says, I'm waiting on you to do it on your end because whatever you make binding on earth shall have been. How many know that's bad English? How many know this New American Standard Bible works perfectly for East Tennessee? Well, I, you, I, I shall have been. What? Lord, I make binding on earth. God says, okay, it shall have been. Already happened. It shall have been. Does that not light somebody's fire? That I, one chapter from this book, Prayers Invading the Impossible, it says, if we don't, he won't. Not he can't. Prayer has been put in the hands of the church, activated by the cross of Jesus Christ. It's up to us on this end of the equation. You can put your fingers in circles and sing Kumbaya and just wait for God to do something, but that is not the economy of the kingdom that he set forth. He said, I gave it to you. The kingdom is in you. I put the kingdom in your hands. I gave you the ability to pray. I gave you the ability to say, Father, I need an invasion of the kingdom right here because the gates of hell are trying to push back just a little too much. (laughs) for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever beloved this is a prayer that puts the armor on you and gets you ready for the day if you want this little outline I will send it to you I have a couple by the way a couple of you guys request I found some emails I missed so you'll be getting those I don't normally miss them but I'll send it and I dare you to start your day off with this our father just this long father who art in heaven, Lord, I declare and expose myself. I don't just make a declaration, but I expose myself to the wholeness on this Monday morning. And I invite your kingdom to come in my workplace, in my home, 
and my job and my stuff and for your will to be done on earth. Lord, I want to not only declare the wholeness of God, I want to experience it. And Father, I declare, I, I, I consume your word, the bread of heaven in the name of the living of God. I want to embrace and ingest the wholeness of God. I want to give expression to the wholeness of God by saying, Father, by the way, you want to know why unforgiveness is so big? It can happen in a minute by somebody you didn't even know five minutes ago. In a minute. You don't even know them. And now you're irritated. If you're on Facebook, it can happen in a nanosecond. By some person you don't even know or have never seen, they're just words on a page. And you've lost your joy all day long because of somebody that wrote something or didn't like, or liked, or something you didn't like, or who knows? The whole economy of that is just really crazy to me. I need to do a Facebook faith series. Wouldn't that be fun? Okay, I'm going to stop because I'm having too much fun. Everybody stand up, please. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.